following message is being transmitted at the request of the Boundless Pod Trap Movie Review and the guys of the BPT. What you are about to hear contains spoilers to movies. If you don't want to hear these spoilers, please disengage your listening device at this time. If you can't handle those with a possible differing view on a movie, you may also want to disengage your listening device at this time. Stay tuned for a movie review that only the guys at the Boundless Pod Trap can give you. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Boys, I've been waiting since we've started this podcast to say this. What, a minute ago? If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. That's right, bitches. We are doing 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. I just literally got the fucking chills. That's because the AC just I'm so yeah. I am so goddamn excited about tonight. This is my favorite movie. We already know what he's giving it, so. Seven! <laughs> Man, I worked so hard to not cover this movie. I didn't want to do it. Just because I knew I would come in and all I would do was gush about it. I see it every single time, too, when it's his turn to throw out their recommendation. He's like, But I wanted, I knew I was going to be the first one to do a movie coming into 2022. So I wanted to hit it hard, and I decided now's the time. Now is the time to cover this movie because this movie put me to sleep <laughs> and you didn't wake up. You just, was that you that just giggled? Like a little cry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, I think this movie and Ghostbusters, I have watched more than anything else in my, well, and, and myself masturbate are the three things I've watched more than anything else in this world. I'm well over a thousand times watching this movie. That's more than yourself masturbate no 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 he's like i already beat that record this year <laughs> beat that by the time i was nine well give us an intro what is this movie nightmare on elm street nightmare. for those who do not know sounds like it's a flop yeah that'll Night- never go anywhere <laughs> so what we are covering tonight is 1984's a nightmare on elm street on elm street nancy thompson and a group of her friends are being tormented by a clawed killer in their dreams named Freddy Krueger. That was it. That's all we're going to get into because we will get into it. This was the first slasher movie to have that cocky killer. That killer who had an everlasting presence. There had been other killers who spoke and did things, but there was never that killer who had that lasting presence. There was the tall man. There was the shape. There was Jason. There was Leatherface and his family, uh, the Sawyers. When did that crazy dentist one dude come out? The dentist? Yeah, he he was like a put himself on laughing gas and was like, ha, 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 ha. Like I, I think that was like mid-90s. <laughs> but anyway, Robert England was the first slasher who... Had a voice. Br- yeah, who brought that theatrical presence to the slasher genre. Before I get into too much gushing about this movie, I'm just going to go ahead and start with my review of this movie. It It's a solid 10. Like, if, if we could give it an 11, I'd give it an 11. But in all fairness, this is the horror movie. This is a 10, hands down. I am going to give it a lower score. I do agree with you that Freddy was one of the first people to give it more of that character. But I didn't see it in this movie. I think it wasn't until, like, Dreamweaver that I kind of got a little bit more on board with the character. Dreamweaver. Dream <laughs> Sorry. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Dreamweaver. That should have been in Excuse one me. of these fucking movies. I love that, I love that computer uh, program, Dream Master. <laughs> no, Dream, Dream Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. yeah. You got me all confused with what it was. Yeah, it wasn't Num- until then that, that I actually got on board with a lot of it. Like, this movie, it doesn't really cement that love for it. The concept, really cool. Like I said, I always like the dream play, but I feel like 
there was a few things. He didn't reach his stride in this movie. I can appreciate this movie for what it was, but it wasn't the the Freddy that I liked. It took a while. This was definitely Freddy at his scariest. This was not Freddy in his Freddiest. When people think of Freddy Krueger, they think of him as that that one-line killer, that larger-than-life pop figure that little kids who've never seen a scary mover in their life can look at him and go, hey, that's Freddy Krueger. They know. But... I feel like well, this, this Freddy Krueger was dark. This, right. this he was only in seven minutes of this movie, so he wasn't in this movie for very long. Well, I feel is, like being the the first time he comes back from his murder, if you will, he didn't know the extent of what his capabilities was, and during the next few movies, he's more so able to enjoy. Well, he's collected more souls, yeah. but that's canon. We'll get into so. But so with that being said, and a few of the continuity if you will i'm gonna give it more of a 6.5 you're retarded <laughs> for me freddy was my always my least favorite horror villain out of all of them i thought he had the the best he had the scariest look I, and when i say horror i it's the mount rushmore the the Leatherface, freddy krueger jason Voorhees, michael myers those are the mount rushmore of horror villains for me freddy was last on my list i didn't really care for the movies i didn't like the concept I'll put them at two for me. But then I grew up and became an adult and I got into filmmaking and I started watching these Nightmare on Elm Street movies again and I've appreciated these movies so much, all of them, mainly because of the fact that everything was practical. There were some CGI and the CGI that they did in some of them were pretty terrible, but as a filmmaker and having done some horror movies, I can appreciate the practical effects that they did, and I can appreciate the character of Freddy. And this is my first, I watched this one, the first one again for the first time. This has probably been like five, six years since I watched it again, and I had a much deeper appreciation for it. Had I been a kid in rating this, I would have probably gave it a five. But as an adult, as a filmmaker myself, I am giving it an 8.5. So I got some swaying to do. It's, a little bit. It, <laughs> that actually brings us to a BPT rating of 8.5. All right. Oh. There's other, like, part... A lot of people don't like part two, but I like part two. I love part three. I just think that this is probably, like, third place, this one out of yeah. all the Freddy movies for me, but it's still good. I still enjoy it. And you had brought up the fact, too, like, with Freddy, like, I was watching, I'm like, man, he really isn't in this very much no, at all. Yeah. Seven minutes total screen time. Yeah. See, I was judging it by like the storyline. I give it about an eight. The kills, about an eight. The performance, about a seven, because he didn't reach that Freddy that I liked. Right. The props, about a 7.5 or so. And then like the cheesiness, I brought it down a little bit more to about a four or so. Yeah. But the thing well, with it I is think like, it, for me, like, I'm, I'm comparing it to the other Freddy because that's. This is like yeah. season one of yeah. like a TV show when he right. was getting, he's feeling himself. And the thing that you can appreciate is that aside from the God awful remake, it's been the same guy that's played this character every movie. Yeah, all nine movies. Well, all eight movies were Robert England. And right. he was, he was a little older coming into this. He was in his twenties. So to put up 20 me, years of movies was tough me on your body. Watching this, I do think that in one, and Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. I do think Robert England is replaceable in this one. I don't think he reached his range because he didn't know the the wingspan of the character. Harsh on Robert England on this I, one. I this he did as, well. He did well as the Freddy character progressed. This is almost as bad uh. as Lonnie's like point five for <laughs> Alpha Dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I love. I like the movie. I like the movie, and I love the character. I do not rank this as the best Freddy it's, movie. No. Yeah, I want it, more humor. I mean, like he didn't. It is darker. It it's, is darker. It's hard taking a franchise that has six very different movies and taking one and specifying it. Like, I could take all eight Freddy movies and give them all tens because they are all so very special to me. Would I say Nightmare on Elm Street 1 is my favorite? No. It's my favorite movie. Right. Is it my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie? No, absolutely not. But it's my favorite movie. It's it the seed. It has so much yeah. sentimental value to me, and I've watched it more than any other movie. In the franchise of the, the eight movies, it's not my favorite, but it is the most influential movie to me, 
the story itself, the adventure itself starts there. It's just, it's the most important, impactful movie to me. Right. Well, the thing with this, this whole franchise is almost every single one out of them had a different writer and a different direct. I, is that not true, Lonnie? So, because it's like, I, I got, I base this off of one of my favorite documentaries out there is called Never Sleep Again. And it yep. goes through every single one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and goes into depth with interviewing actors, writers, directors, the stories and things that happen with it. And that's the thing is like, Justin, like to your point with this one is like with most horror films in the 80s that were made, they had no idea like it was going to be a franchise. It was right. always like, this is going to be a one movie thing. Right. Well, this we, wasn't supposed to be a franchise either. No, yeah. Wes Craven wanted to end this, but yeah. this is like Shea. Robert, Robert, Robert Shea. Shea. Robert Shea and Wes Craven had very different visions on how this movie was going to end. They actually came to a compromise for an ending for this movie. There was supposed to be no car entraption. Mm-mm. Well, the movie was supposed to end with Nancy turning her back on Freddy. And that was supposed to be the end. It was supposed to end with that. Kind of like the Bali Dreamer thing that yeah. Johnny Depp's Kurt Glenn was preaching on. Um, Robert Shea's vision was Freddy driving away in the car with them. So they came to the compromise of the lid slamming on the car and them, them Which is going that famous away. picture you see all the time with all of them sitting in the car with Freddy, too. Right. As for directors and writers, the only return director and writer was Wes Craven. He did three of the movies, wrote and directed three of them. He did and starred. the, the <laughs> first one. He did Dream Warriors, which is number three, and he did New Nightmare. He did the three that were most iconic. Robert Shea had his hand in every single one of them. He produced every one. And that's something that a lot of people don't take into consideration about these movies. These movies would have been nothing if it wasn't for Robert Shea. Oh, he, yeah. he stuck his whole entire career, every penny he had, and his whole reputation on this movie being successful. He hustled. He worked. He kind of stuck the actors out there as well on it, say they were working essentially for free on the fact that we'll pay you when we get this money. A lot of them were working on a hope that he would be able to pay them. After time, he was able to pay them, obviously, but there was times when a lot of the actors and a lot of the special effects agents and everyone was working for free. Yeah. They didn't know if they would be able to, to be paid. It's so to get Johnny Depp for free. <laughs> well, to get, to get an unknown actor. This uh, was Johnny Depp's first. First. He did. A li- well, yeah. Oh, the, His most normal character he's ever played. No. No. 21 Jump Street was kind of fine. The Brave but, was okay. But, the cast, Heather Langkamp playing Nancy, Amanda Wise playing Tina. She's hot, by the way. Yeah, Jess Garcia. Hotter as she got older. Yeah. <laughs> Jess Garcia playing Glenn, or not Glenn, uh, Rod Lane, Johnny Depp playing Glenn, Robert England, of course, being the infamous Freddie, John Saxton playing the sheriff dad, and Renee Blake playing her mom. March. The, the only people really in this cast who had any name to them at the time Saxton were Saxton and Blakely and Wise had a little bit of the name and the thing about this movie that a lot of people don't take into account and I'm kind of kind of throw some trivia questions at you guys a little bit what is a movie that has that when you think of Wes Craven something he did in a newer movie that's kind of iconic for Wes Craven what's something he did that you look at and you go, wow, fucking Wes Craven. I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite understanding the, the question. So what's what's something you associate with Wes Craven? Well, Freddy, of course. Well, but like so other than Freddy? Other than Freddy. Scream. Okay. What ha- I hate. <laughs> what, what happened in Scream that a lot of people remember? Nancy. There's always a Nancy. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched... I There's watched the first Scream movie. Killers. Hated it. Watched the second one. Hated it. And I haven't watched... So the thing with Scream is the casting of Drew Barrymore. Ah, oh, killing off a killing off the oh, main right, killing yeah, off the okay. main character first. Early on. Nightmare on Elm Street developed that. The only character out of the kids who was remotely known was the blonde popular girl who they made the focus of the beginning of the movie was Tina. Hmm. She was the only one out of the four kids who had any IMDb credit. She was the only one who had really any acting credit besides Saxton and Blakely. Yeah. They, I really like the intro. They did intro. this 20 years before they did it with Scream. 
So the thing that they they redid with Scream, his most other iconic movie moment, he redid. People never realized that, but he did it again. It's just he reinvented himself, but he didn't. He's just doing the same marks and seeing if people notice. There was a... There's a lot, a bit of meaning, I guess, I pulled from some of these things, especially like starting off with Tina. It shows her going down like the dark hallway and with like a jump of like a lamb, which is like she is the sacrificial lamb. And then she screams out next to like a ladder. There's a few of these ladders and the ladders means like elevation of experiences or something or levels of experiences. And then she rises out of sleep with a cross in the background. So there was a few hard symbols, I guess I was pulling with that. But yeah, also going back to like Freddy as a character himself, like he starts off with, oh, one of the only slashers who has an unconventional weapon. So like his hand claws. And there's also meaning that I pulled with that, which is like in hands, in dreams, they represent how you can connect with the world and they can suggest authority, power, protection, or justice. And dreaming of blades means the separation or the parting of ways. And using the image of Freddy's glove as the prime image, everyone recognizes really fits that he is the weaver of this world, a blade Bladed hand is separating you from the world to one created around you. Yeah. There was so speaking of glove, there was three different primary gloves in this movie. It's all the razors, the nails the, or screws and there there no no no, like the actual glove oh. itself. So there was the actual glove that had the razors, the sharp <laughs> blades in it. And whenever you see Freddie with kind of a cocked elbow with his shoulder slumping, that iconic look that's the actual glove that's the weighted because it was a very heavy glove and robert england being a small guy it obviously made him droop a little bit those were extremely sharp everyone who wore that glove got cut with it so that glove was actually in very few scenes other than when him stalking with it there was a glove made of balsa wood that was lighter and easier to move around and then there was a plastic glove that they used in a lot of the up close and scenes with him and Nancy fighting or what about the left-handed glove? There is no left-handed glove. Yeah. Huh? When he comes from behind the tree, when he's stalking her, the glove is in his left hand. Yeah. Continuity error that just, oh, wow. two. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're Mr. Continuity error, what is Freddie's first words? He speaks in the nightmare on Elm street. I am God. Nope. Or this is God. There you go. This is God. Or other than loans. That that scene, that iconic scene of him in the alleyway where he's stretching his arms out, I don't think that's as creepy as the part when she starts running and he's behind her like Yeah. Like that. I'm like, my God. Like I don't understand why as a kid this didn't scare me because like as an adult, I'm like fucking creepy right and the overwhelming presence with the long arms is cheesy as it looks it'll like, frighten a bear like it's it's that overwhelming like there's nothing you can do like as much as you think you're in control you're not in control. that's a big fucking hug that's yeah he's get you get you get you yeah going with that i guess biblical again with the god thing so here's a theory that freddie is the father of nancy did you ever like theorize with that <laughs> no not really. Because it kind of, seeing that the, the her dad and mom are separated, and you think it's... Marge. Yeah, Marge, all that. So, Nancy means God has favored me, and Freddy is derived from Alfred, which means magical counsel or peace ruler, which wasn't really peace, more like pieces. Her mom, Marge, means pearl, which means of great rarity or worth, much like virginity. And Freddy has created these rules and now is returned to punish those who gone against him. When he says, like, this is God. Right. Well, Nancy really doesn't have any significance to Freddy. That's what a lot of people don't understand. He really has no significance to her. She's just the last one for him to kill. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the only significance is with mom, that mom, is pretty much... Mom kept the glove. Yeah. Oh, that, and it comes off as she was the one who called the word, saying, like, hey, he's the one who... It was her call who well turned on the hunt. In the deleted scenes... And some of the original scripts, they were Nancy was a twin and he had killed the twin, which caused Marge and John to go do their business, do the business. That's yeah. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't like about this movie and will not watch it because Freddie is a child molester. He's not. He's a child murderer. Yeah. He's not a child molester. Mm. 
What is it? The newer one then? The newer, newer puts one puts him as a molester. A, a molester. And that's how fucked up society is that you had to take a murderer wasn't enough. And I was just having this conversation today. Being a child murderer is not enough. Like, so they had to change it to a child molester. That's not New Line Cinema or Nightmare on Elm Street's fault. That's society's fault. Yeah. And that completely changed the character of A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's, I could go on an hour rant about how bad the 2010 remake sucked. Oh, it's yeah. the it's the worst remake of all time. But focusing on this one. Well, was it confirmed that he was a child murderer? Yes. All right, because they said something like, something that Marge said was that the judges got rich and the or lawyers got fat. With, you know, like it was only a hit piece. They were trying to cover it up. Right. And it doesn't happen in this one. But later, I think it's Freddy's dead. There's a lot. He has his book of paper clippings. Right. And they're talking about all the murders. Yeah. Just, I guess, going by that line. What did she say? The judges got, or the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous. Yeah. The lawyers got fat and the judge got famous. Which, yeah, because it didn't explain anything since this was only supposed to be a standalone before Robert Shea opened it up. My idea or impression of it was he was framed for everything because they needed somebody to take the fall. Right. But, you know, it really like I've I've said this many times. I wish I was in my 20s, my like high school days and in my 20s in the 80s. Absolutely. Because think of the time it would have been. The 80s produced some of the best horror films oh, out there. One, late late 70s, a, early 80s into like 88, 89. Back when, Absolutely. Back when cinema was amazing and like theater, before you had all the social media and whatever. I can't even think of the name of it right now, but there's like Netflix and stuff like that. Like just horror movies and like something like this and a, a character like Freddy that's so iconic. I mean, God, I couldn't even imagine. And like these things are getting released every year. It's, yeah. it was crazy. And I, I don't know. The, my biggest pet peeve when it comes to, you know, I work at a, a Halloween shop and Michael Myers is by far always the most popular character mask that we sell. Freddy's second place he's not far off people always want his sweater but my biggest pet peeve is when people come in and it's like yeah i want the the black and red freddy sweater i'm like when the fuck was it ever black and red never it's it's, it's green and red in pictures earlier pictures it looks black but yeah, it's not it's just yeah. from in the, in the black and red is very very significant because in and Wes craven goes into it he was reading a try to get the exact book but he was reading a book and it was like optical science or mysterious science or something where red and green together are unnerving so it had nothing to do with it being a christmas sweater or anything like that but the red and green certain tones together are unnerving so that's why he went with those colors and i'll i'll pose this trivia question to you what is significant about the sweater in number one that's different from almost all the other movies. I'm assuming it's not like torn or shredded at all in the first one. It's probably the sleeves. It didn't have stripes on the sleeves. The street, the sleeves were pure red in that one and all part, the other ones. Part, in part one, one. The first one, they didn't yeah, have the they stripes, didn't have stripes on the sleeves. Really? In all the other ones, I've they were striped sleeves. That up. Yeah. The only it's visible the most in the hallway scene with the crossing with a hall monitor, that's when you really notice it, and it makes you take notice. But yeah, in Nightmare on Elm Street 1, no sleeves. Interesting, I've never noticed that. So at the very end, when she spins around, putting her back towards Freddy, is that her way of like breaking up with him? <laughs> because he did say, I'm your boyfriend now. So are they still together, or are they broken up? <laughs> I take away every energy I give to you. She threw the ring back at him? <clears throat> so, uh... Talking about continuity errors reminds me of my favorite continuity error in this movie of Springwood, Ohio, where her and Glenn go to the bridge to talk about improvised weaponry and eat their hamburgers with the beautiful Ohio palm trees in the background. It was it was a pressing scene. I really liked that because... Again, it was symbolic, the the symbolism, I guess, of the bridge. It's like he's talking about the Balinese 
dreamers. Yep. Um, shit. The little protocol. And I love how that scene takes place on a bridge. I mean, she's reading about the survivalism and all the traps and a bridge is symbol for hardships in the future and learning new things to equip for the future, like a readiness to embrace a challenge. So her crossing that bridge is kind of like her coming into her next self. Like she knows what she's doing. She's committed now. Right. right. Another thing about this movie, the reason Wes Craven chose Elm Street it was for two particular reasons. Uh, reason number one, obviously Elm Street is the most popular street name in every city. Is there a hard fact with that for you? There, There is a hard fact going in with this, but obviously, like we said, Elm Street, every city has an Elm Street. It, he makes that comment in Freddy's Dead. They acknowledge it. But the other reason Wes Craven went with the title Elm Street is JFK was shot on Elm Street. Hmm. And that moment was considered the day that innocence died. That's nutty as a fruitcake. Yeah, so that's why Wes Craven, Wes Craven went with the with the name Elm Street to kind of symbolize the death of children, the death of innocence. So one back at you, motherfucker. Thanks. Up your nose with a rubber hose. Did you have that one on your list? Uh, uh yeah. Did you? Damn it. Something like that. He's lying. Why would I lie to you again? Yes. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I think also with that bridge part, they make. Glenn, I don't know if I, I, I want it. Like, he's supposed to be a jock, but they make him seem kind of dumb. Like, he won't do anything that other people are suggesting. Like, you know, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. And then he falls asleep, and his mom's like, hey, whatever, uh, you can't fall asleep with all this. And he's like, the what Miss USA is Miss, Miss going to show her boobs, no, if Miss, you will. Miss Nude America is going to be on TV. Well, how are you supposed to listen to what she's going to say? You, you Who know, cares what she's going to say? You know, I... I the part that I really couldn't, that I didn't like was when she has him over and she tells him like, stay awake and make sure I don't fall asleep. He knows why she's doing it and all this stuff, but yet he still falls asleep. Yeah, kind of. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, no matter how tired you're off, tired you are, if you know the situation that's going on and stuff and you care for this girl, you're not going to fall asleep. Yeah. Right. She wasn't really open at first to telling everybody, like people were saying like, I'm having these weird dreams. And she's just like, Ooh. you know, she's not saying that she's also having these dreams, but she wanted everybody to support her. And then she couldn't even support those titties. <laughs> um, she put on a, her pajamas without a, you know, and then went, went about, ouch. but it's okay. Cause she was 20. And, yeah. And I Glenn also, I, I liked how, a lot of his room was made up of like all these war pictures or metal and all that. And then there's like this picture of this cat, this cute little kitty, <laughs> one of those hang in there. So this movie had a $1.8 million budget, which was probably mostly for Saxton and Blakely made back in three days. <laughs> so not quite opening weekend, but the Monday after opening weekend as well. So was a success. Word traveled super quick on this one. After opening weekend and people just lost their shit because it was once in a lifetime movie. Nothing had came out like this before. So people rushed to see it. Well, it's really like the concept is when you think about it. Super strong for like, that time. Yeah, that, it's different. That and thinking about like if this really happened to you, what would you do in that situation? Like, you know, you can other movies and stuff where you have Jason chasing you with a machete or something like that. Like you could... If you're faster, you can run away from him. And this, there, there's uh, not everyone can relate to that, but everybody sleeps. And yeah. if you know, knew that if you were going to fall asleep and the minute you fell into that deep sleep, this guy was going to be there waiting for you with his claws. I, I just, I was watching this late at night and like even myself, like I'm tired. I was tired. And it's just like, if I had to stay up all the time, I, I couldn't do it. This would, that would be just be a terrifying thing to have happen, which Wes Craven said, this is based off of a true story yeah. about this boy that like Cambodia every, yeah, or yeah, in America from Cambodia. And like, and I don't know, I don't remember the full story, but did he, he ended up dying yeah, in, in his sleep, sleep dying but, in sleep. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like he didn't have, did they say he had marks on him or something like that? No. Okay. And it was a combination of a lot of different stories. Like it was the concept of Freddy came from that, but then like Freddy's actual form came from a janitor to school and a homeless man that walked around his house. And like the amalgamation of Freddy was so many different parts that came into Wes Craven's mind throughout the years. And, and then the actual concept of the dream demon came from, from that instance. And 
So the story itself, and the movie was shopped around so much. Robert Shea was the only person willing to take a chance on it. Nobody else in Hollywood would. So when Robert Shea jumped on it with New Line Cinema and worked so hard to get the movie funded, they went through so many different possibilities for funding. And it wasn't just Robert Shea. It was his co-producer, Sarah Reicher, as well. She put in a ton of work. Robert Shea was the only one who stayed on with with the, the Nightmare series. But Reicher was a big part in making it happen. Jim Doyle, the special effects artist, he was doing a lot of stuff for free. And his stuff he was doing was extremely sophisticated at the time. Like Tina's whole death scene, the 360 rotating room. That's ridiculous. Right. I don't think a contraption like that has ever been reproduced. Well, think about doing that on the scab budget he had. He didn't have a budget. He was doing that on the money he had, and he was hoping he would get paid back for it. But her hair wasn't going upwards, meaning downwards. It was all Well, the thing is with that that blood, and and this is in that Never Sleep Again documentary, but, like, they didn't think about, like, once it started filling up with blood, how it was going to get top-heavy. It just just started pouring out. It turned the wrong way. Yeah, and guys that were holding lights were getting electrocuted because Mm -hmm. of all the blood that was falling on them. And the one chick, she she was so disoriented after filming that. Like, Wes said he had to, like, pop up and, like, tell her, like, breathe because it's like she's in this room that's been spinning around. She doesn't know what's what right right now. and. And then I, I heard, was it, I don't know if it was this one or if it's one of the later Nightmare on Elm Streets, but the makeup artist said that he was at a pizza shop eating a pizza, a pepperoni pizza. And the way that the cheese and stuff was like forming on the pizza, that's where he got that's the idea. That's where he came up with the Freddy makeup. Yeah, because yeah, an actual burn victim, their skin is going to basically look like it's melting opposed to a like Watchy craggy and, yeah. And that's a problem I had. Another thing with the 2010 remake, it looked too sharp and too developed where an actual burn victim is going to look like their face is melting away and stuff like that. And I think Doyle did an amazing job with making it look like that with what, like I said, with the budget and the technology and the skills that they had, not saying he's not a skilled special effects artist, but with what he had doing four hours of makeup a day with application and then removing four hours a day. That it's got to be tough, tough on England. It was his first major role coming from theater. Another reason why Freddie was supposed to originally be a non-speaking role, just like every other slasher. It was England who brought the speaking in the charismatic character to it. And they're like, okay, go with it. So that was purely Robert England's, his contribution to the role. And I think that's part of what saved the franchise, saved the series. Then... Mm grew the Freddy Krueger we all know and love. I want to bring it back to the symbolism. Yeah. (laughs) No, the animals, I think the animals kind of like display or it's, they're subtle. Like it starts off with the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, but then there's other animals that, I mean, they're dream symbols. This is all murders that take place in dreams. And, you know, it's all about that. I think dream symbols are important to this. One of the few things that I did pinpoint about certain characters with animals either near or by them, like the part where Nancy confronts Marge, her mom, in the kitchen, and or the other way around, Marge confronts her saying, like, well, you know, where, where do you think you're going? And then she's like, you know, going to school. And you can see right above their heads are animals as decor on the walls. Above Nancy, there's a white cow which can signify growth, potential, and female power. And right above her mom, Marge, is a rooster. A rooster is a totem of animal that helps you to be potent protector, who is adept at keeping negative energies and evil away from, or with the solar light, which burns brightly in your aura. Or it's like the rooster that crows. So she was the one who kind of like went out and said like, hey, he's the person whom the mob attacked, kind of going towards her story. Or she just has cock on the brain. What's the turkey represent? What turkey? There was no turkey. There was a... The talking wild, about the vulture? The wild turkey. Where? She's drinking. Oh, that's something else. Oh. She's wild and she's a turkey. There was a part where when Glenn goes back and sits, when, when he gets off the phone with Nancy, he goes back and sits with his bed and there's like a stuffed vulture that's right over him. And vultures are naturally bad omens. And they're birds and birds deal with the elements of air and air symbolizes thoughts, which is the mind. And a vulture is a master navigator of the winds and bringer of death. And this vulture had a striped tie on it. So it was right over him right before he died. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you something and be completely honest with me, Justin. Do you notice these things yourself or do you Google this stuff? Well, you say this every time. I notice this stuff. I do not say this every time. Yeah. <laughs> You're always like, do because you Google this or who, did you read this online? The, this is the stuff that I look up. Who yeah. the fuck <clears throat> would notice shit like that? When I, I watch a movie, I'm not like looking like at the decor on the fucking walls. It's right above there their above heads. their head. Yeah. <laughs> and then to go into like, well, that's, this means this and that. It's like, what the fuck? Like I, 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 I got to hand it to you, man. My mind would not go there. I, I just, I enjoy movies for other reasons, I guess. Did you know? That's usually why it takes me about four hours to watch a movie. Cause I'm like, huh. I'll pause it right here and like, I like to. That's why your wife wants to strangle you know, <laughs> when she watches movies. With well, if I watch a movie to study it, you know, yeah. otherwise I'll do it like a rewatch or something like that. But this is me. Like, what did I, I message you guys? I don't know, like on a Tuesday and I finished it on a Saturday. Like I had to do like eight different sittings just to finish the movie. But yeah, it took me a while. Did you know that Roger Rabbit was in this movie? Like the actual character Roger Rabbit, or the, or the, voice. the voice, the voice of Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he was the doctor in the sleep theater, huh. or in the sleep therapy. Was he? Yeah, the one who was like checking her arm. Interesting. He, he was the. Now it could go up either one or two notches. That part way. that was, oh. I I did do a little bit more research with like when she was walking out after the sleep study. They were back in their house. She's walking out the the door and there's a painting on the wall, which is a popular painting called the philosopher. And it's usually associated to Rembrandt, but it wasn't Rembrandt who painted it. But yeah, being, it was a a Willem Drost painting, but philosophy is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence questioning the mind, which could include dreams. So this is her part when she's questioning what, well, I guess the whole time she's questioning things, but she is trying to figure out what, what is real and what is not. Yeah. So when Nancy is trying to stay awake before the big epic battle, she is watching a, a horror movie to to stay awake, which is The Evil Dead. Yes. She's watching The Evil Dead, which was a gift for Sam Raimi because Sam Raimi in The Evil Dead was he put he was having Ash watch at one of his movies. Any idea what that movie was he was watching in The Evil Dead? Which movie? Yeah. The Evil Dead. Well, you hear the scream from the tree rape scene, but it wasn't that part. No, yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I thought in Evil Dead 2, Freddy's claw is above the door. It is, but and in the first one, they're watching The Hills Have Eyes. I think Stay Awake is a horrible product. To, she popped a few Stay Awakes and then started dozing off. Right, yeah. Yeah, Shitty. Oh, shit. Yeah, and she has that, I'm going to drink a cup of coffee and then go to bed syndrome, which I can't fucking do. That that was another continuity issue thing. Like, when her mom comes in and at the end she takes the coffee thing. But, like. She had another. She had a brew. When you brew a cup of, are you, you're not a coffee drinker, right? <laughs> yeah, no. hear that. But when people, and coffee when people have freshly brewed coffee, you can smell it. She's in a confined room, only the coffee is at her feet and she can't smell it. It's freshly brewed when she brings it out from under her bed after her mom leaves the room. The light is still on. It's fresh. It's full pot. <laughs> and then she drinks it like, wow, I'm tired. Go to bedtime now. The bathtub scene. Yeah. Crotch claws. I like the uh, Doyle. Is that the, uh, yep. he talks about how it's him. He had to submerge himself under the water and have Heather straddle him for a whole day. And he was talking about like how cool that was, but. How old was she when this movie was made? 20. 12. Oh. Well, that's my thing. Like, I thought, like, was she maybe, like, 16, 17? Nah, because I don't know that he should, he'd want to be bragging about having her straddle him in a tub and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that Freddie, I think he was, uh, unlike what Justin said, I think Freddie was everything he needed to be in this movie. You didn't want him to be too comedic in this movie. I think it would have put the franchise at a different projected pace where it needed to go along the lines of Wes Craven wanting to make a horror movie and then end it I think it was great I think the way Robert Shea wanted to do it and make a franchise of it I think they could have toned it back maybe a touch and made it more lasting the direction they took Freddy I think was abrupt I think they had very dark Freddy and then they had Super Dark Freddy, because I think number two, The Darkness and Freddy, is a lot worse than number one. I think Freddy is super dark in number one, but I think he's extremely dark in number two, because that's a completely different Freddy in number two. And then number three hits, and we're starting to get 
a little bit of character Freddy, but you have to keep in mind that that's still Wes Craven. That's the Wes Craven that made number one. So he kind of seen the direction that they wanted the character to go. That's because a lot of people hated part two. Right. They thought it was very homosexual. Homoerotic, yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't Mark Patton's fault. That was the direction that the director made. I really wish that Wes Craven would have had his fingers in all of all of them because, you know, what he created with the first one. And then he had nothing to do with the second one. And we saw, I like the second one. Don't get me wrong. I think, it, I think, I think yeah. it's great, but it's just like a lot of people didn't. So that's why Wes Craven came back on with number three. Cause he wanted to, I think get Freddie back on the right track. And, but I don't know. And I mean, this is getting off topic of the first one, but I've only seen Wes Craven's new nightmare once. It's a great movie. That's now, one of my favorites. Is that not? They're all my favorites. Am I am I about. wrong in when is it the premise of that where they act like all the other ones were a movie? Yes. So the concept of New Nightmare is the Nightmare on Elm Street series was a movie, but it's a Universal Switch type of thing. Yeah, but there. So there is a a demon, a presence that is released and it's taken the form of Freddy Krueger because people have put so much stock into it and it's specifically attacking the people around that franchise. So it's became familiar with Freddy and Um, it's decided to take the form of it. So it's not Freddy, but it's taking the form of Freddy. It's why the glove's different. It's why the look is different. No wonder why I haven't watched that one again. It sounds terrible. It's not bad. The acting's uh, great in it. I didn't... Everybody's drinking all this coffee, but nobody has to drop a deuce. I didn't get that either. There's only one deuce in the whole entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and that's number four. After all that coffee. And that's Rick taking a deuce. And number four. Are you guys familiar with the uh, Chekhovian play of Cherry Orchards? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah it's all we talk, it's <laughs> all we talk about. I, 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 major, I majored in college in that. One of her first nightmares, Nancy's first nightmares in the, the class, when the teacher's talking about the Shakespearean cankers, there's a poster right behind her of the Cherry Orchards. In this and other plays that they developed, the concept of indirect action is in which the dramatic action takes place offstage and the significance of the play revolves around the reactions of the characters to those on-scene events kind of correlates to what the teacher was talking about, which what is seen is not always real, and they're trying to piece that together as well. Also, a continuity issue, that a, a few continuity issues. When Let's Freddy lifts his shirt, he's not burned. When he cuts himself and you see all the maggots inside, there's no burn marks on his stomach or anything. It's just his head and not even his hands. Cause yeah, because he had a sweater pr- protecting oh, yeah, dude. It. It's flame retardant sweater. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it survived. Yeah. Also, when Rod gets arrested, it's like you, you see him, you know, when he pulls Nancy into the bush, you know, and he's still got blood on him. He's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You know. Um, he didn't have shoes on either. Yeah. But when they go to the prison, he has the white sneakers on Probably. and he still has blood on him. It's like, if they're going to give him a shirt, sneakers, but not clean up the blood that's on his hand still, I feel like they would have, uh... Well, not necessarily. It's a small town no, in Ohio. They don't care about it. They got shirts and shoes, but no water? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Um, the radio station, KRGR, Kruger. KRGR. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is during that English class where Nancy falls asleep, the kid reading the passage from the deep and up that's Rome. He wasn't even <laughs> sitting in that spot. Monotone voice. Did the establishing shot. Don't I, forget your hall pass. Good old Lin Shay. I, I like that scene. Uh, I like the how perfect and shiny that blood streak oh, is that goes so down. So great. I don't know. It's just very fulfilling. The thing about that scene that I loved, that, and it was such an amazing little detail thing, is the way your hand yeah. falls and slaps oh, yeah. just that little part of the detail was like perfect like chef's kiss like so good like normal movies wouldn't even consider that a thing but just the way it just falls and makes that slap sound it's yeah like, fucking a yeah. did it i know when they had that amy in that body bag she was really in that thing and like they were concerned like she was scared that she was gonna like suffocate her for, yeah. for, for real I mean, that's how they did things back in the eighties. If they wanted to get something done, you know how to make it look real. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Pull real bodies like they did on. Was it Poltergeist? Yeah. There was a. Also going back to that boiler room when she was dreaming in the classroom. She put her arm on the boiler thing, like under her arm, got burnt, but 
she was nursing the burn that's on her inside of her wrist. It's like they totally moved the burn mark. Maybe she wrapped it around it, bro. No, she didn't do any of that. I saw it like five times. Rewind. I think it. With that. I saw it. So she's trying to find Freddy. And then when Freddy comes up behind her, she (laughs) runs and then jumps off the the little thing. And then she gets up and she's like, where are you, Freddy? It's like, (laughs) he was right there. You just ran from him. (laughs) It's like running. It's like, don't put that on him. That's on you. You, (laughs) Don't touch me. Come get me. (laughs) Oh, playing hard to get. I think my biggest thing in this whole thing, let me, let me do the good thing. Okay. My, my favorite thing was the spiral staircase. Yeah. I think that scene right before the main, you know, fight, if you will, it's like the spiral staircase descent shot. I love spiral staircases because, well, they're just creepy and they're also kind of magnificent in this setting with the boiler room yeah. kind of going down. It's very discombobulating, but in like a dream, they are signs of rebirth and significant journey or self-discovery. And for her, she has to go like deeper within herself to pull out what is important and yeah, pretty much pulling him out of the dream. The worst thing I didn't like about the worst, the best thing I didn't like about this movie, if that's the right way to say it, is the 20 minutes she had to fix everything up, yeah. go to sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but fucking Kevin McAllister can do it and you don't care. No, I cared then. I, I thought that was bullshit. No, the 20 minutes she booby trapped the house. She, Followed out a light bulb. She wired a clothesline trap with a lifesaver. <laughs> she trip-wired a doorway, gunpowdered the light bulbs, fucked with the side lock, rig a sledgehammer to the ceiling, and have a heartfelt conversation with her drunk-ass mom, and recite a stupid bedtime prayer. 20 minutes. That's how all well, it took. I, w- I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, why wouldn't she have said, like, two hours or something like that? Yeah. Why was it 20, like, come She back. actually went back to one of the things, the light bulb thing. Check back in 20 yeah. minutes, Dad. You know, why, check back in two hours. I just love that the other cop, the maybe I should tell the chief. Yeah, that's what he said. When the you house know, is on fire, uh, you can that, at, see a guy running around without a face. At first, that was bugging me too. And I'm like, okay, it was meant to be that way. So, but yeah. With Rod, like they're trying to pin everything on Rod. Yeah. And they're trying not to spare the Rod. Oh. But if you, if you look at this movie in continuity of the franchise, you can understand why a lot of decisions that the police made, why they were made that way. If you look at it in the the spectrum of the franchise, there's a reason the sheriff acted that way. There's a reason John acted that way. There's a reason that they Rod Lane was booked and seen as a suicide. There's reasons all these things happened the way they did and were treated the way like they were. And it takes reading the novels, it takes reading the comic books, it takes watching the other films, kind of putting it all together to go, okay, they're not spreading the mass hysteria. They're trying to remove it from existence. They're trying to take the power away. They're just realizing this, but they're on the precipice of removing Kruger from history because from that instance to a Freddy's Dead is not that long of a time period from one to two it's three years there's not that long between nancy and jesse because it wasn't it was only a couple of years from when they moved into that house his whole power surge how he gains power that's something that i don't understand at least not with this movie alone it's like he wants to kill these kids because it gives him power he wants to kill the original offspring of the people who murdered him but it's like why did you wait until they're able to defend themselves? Why didn't you kill them when they were younger? Does it do they grow more power when they get older? It's the fear. It's the fear of the parents. It's the fear of the people around them. I think the fear still knowing. applies with Well, it's the knowing that he can take vengeance at any time. Huh. That's the true power that Freddy gets. It's not the souls. It's not that it's the fear that's generated from the thing. It's the aura that's generated from the thing. Yeah, I I guess when it also kind of reverts back to the power, like I didn't is the like you said, the movie only has Freddy in there for like seven minutes. A couple minutes, yeah. yeah. And it's like, is the movie actually a dream of Freddy's though? Is it told from his perspective? Like once everybody who he's trying to kill who believes that he is dead, once they die off and does he come back, that's how it is in the second one or because I Nancy's still alive, but Nancy's not in the second one, is Nancy's she? Nancy's no. Nancy. 
Yeah. So the perspective that I've seen is the whole movie is just a dream of Marge's. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Marge might be like the true victim. Yeah. Especially if you, well, I mean, cause she's the one who, like I said, she's the one who kind of called the shot. Well, and yeah. it's Marge dies in the dream. Yeah. It's mother's biggest fear of her children getting killed because right. she initially killed Freddie. So when he's coming back to kill her kids, gaining power from that. Freddie comes back and kills Marge. <laughs> then, and then when the dream's over, when Freddie is beaten by Heather. He pulled a blow up through is, a window. <laughs> yeah, Marge, Marge is the first one standing there and Marge is the last to die. So in theory, Marge is the one that the whole dream sequence and the whole movie is initially based based around it's a mother's biggest fear is losing her child yeah. again for the actress i didn't really care for her acting in that she just seemed she's very iconic yeah. And, and yeah in that movie she was made to be she's kind of supposed to be an alcoholic uh, an yeah. alcoholic parent yeah. so it kind of does glaze over some i give a little bit of leeway to that but it's like for somebody who thinks that she cares about you know and she's kind of hindering she's not listening she's she yeah. probably she's knows. a cause of her divorce I'm, I'm assuming she probably knows what's going on well she does and because she, she finally realized to, she yeah. just she just is accepting it and there's, she probably figures there's nothing she can do but yeah at the very it. end when she gets pulled through the door i liked that it's a blue door there's a window it's kind of like a gateway 1428 was the the address they edited it very <laughs> they edited the thing very well because if you see the actual cut of it where they pull it through it's like oh my god that looks so terrible yeah yeah it's like uh there's a couple of those where like you watch it on a vhs tape or even on dvd you watch it and you're like that's pretty cool then you watch it on blu-ray and you're like ooh, not so much but yeah it was a blue door which is like clouds you know the kingdom of god and he's pulling her through freddy means magical council or peace ruler like he's going back to the 1428 it's it means to discipline your it's an angel number it means to discipline your mind to understand that what you say to people matters and have peace and she was the one who was vying for the lynch mob so bitch got what she deserved rabbit yeah the elm street house went back up for sale in october if we all want to pitch in our money and buy it it's still on the market. It just went back onto the market in October. How much? But you already have an Elm Street house. Three point two five. Yeah, I live on Elm Street. <laughs> three point two five million. Oh yeah, it has a pool, it's three bedroom, two bathroom. The thing is, they didn't actually film inside the house. No, they that filmed on sound. It was yeah, yeah, it was all exterior. So it's but. just like I mean, I could see that price for if it was actually filmed inside, but. It's a three-bedroom house on a double lot with a pool in Los Angeles. Of course, it's going to be $3 million. Well, you got a lot of that has to do with being in Los Angeles with that big of a yard. Being in the movie, an iconic movie like that. Yeah. So is it only the kids that can see Freddy? No. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, because the dad kind of puts the blanket over and then you see mommy. (laughs) Which I love the part where she's running up the steps and they're melting and like I apparently I don't know if it was Wes Craven didn't want that. Yeah, Wes Craven. Shay was like he's that. like I want it. He's because it was like oatmeal and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was like, oatmeal think, and pancake batter. I think it was awesome. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you're in your dreams and you're being chased by something and you like can't. You're so heavy. Yeah, feels it, like I'm running in water. Or that's something. another one of those scenes that you watch in the old formats where you don't notice it. You're like, that's so cool, but then you watch it in the newer formats. And you can see it and you're like, ooh. It's like watching movies you love, like Star Wars. And we watch it in high def and you can see the strings. And you're like, why did I do this? Uh-huh. It's like watching porn in high def. You're like, I could have done without those pixels. I can see all the, pixels. the pimples on her cooter. <laughs> back, well, I guess never mind. I would say back to the porn, but that yeah. hasn't happened yet. It's <laughs> reality. They say like one in three people are lucid dreamers. Yeah. And out of three of us, like lucid dreaming is something that I've, I, I have practiced. I absolutely lucid dream. It's gotten less due to the medication changes. Right. But when I was on certain medications, my God, the dreams would be intense. The, the good thing about them though, is a lot of them I would forget almost immediately, but there would be some I would remember and I could not shake them. I think, I guess if I was going back to my suggestion of why wouldn't he just kill the kids when they were younger is because I think that maybe kids are messy and young adults are not as messy. Not true. I'm a lot messier as an adult than I was as a kid. I mean, like you don't shit yourself. 
much. Not true. <laughs> I shit myself a lot more as an adult than a child. But I mean, like, if only we knew stuff about the sphinx. For me, like, as like a lucid dreamer, I would just hmm, that gives me a topic idea. I would just zoom in and zoom out. You know, like drop a drop a turd log. And then, you know, because he was a janitor, so cleaning up after kids was probably something he, he hated. He was not a janitor. In one of the re- versions. He, yeah, in the shitty remake uh-huh. was. He he worked at a boiler room. Same thing. That's what janitors do. <laughs> boiler room, janitor, boiler you know. See, there you go. It's it's continuity. It's whatever the writer wanted him to be. In Wes Craven's mind, you never knew. He never said. Right. In number two, he worked in that boiler room plant outside of town. In later versions of it, he worked at a school. In the fucking terrible remake, he worked as a gardener at a daycare. So I kind of connect the when she's going down the stairs of the school into the boiler room. I mean, it says boiler room on the bottom door. That's an intense boiler room for a school. Yeah, it goes layers deep. But yeah. I thought they all look like that. I think most most schools are built on oil refineries. Who fucking yeah. who dries their sheets in a fucking school boiler room? So many sheets. I think if it were me, I would just dream myself in like a venom suit and just kick his ass. Like, they tried that. Oh. Not so, in this one. So where do you think this movie falls in the in the nine movies that had Freddy Krueger in them? I need a rewatch. Yeah, there, there's a few that are kind of blurry to me that I don't remember much about. Uh, so, financially wise, like box oh. office money draw, I would say of all time, at least top three. I'd say top three. I'd say somewhere around five or four. Seventh, really. Wow. This movie grossed twenty five million so far. Number one, Freddy versus Jason at eighty two million. Number two, the remake at sixty three million. Number three, number four, Dream Master. At forty nine million, number three, The Dream Warriors at forty four million, number five, Freddy's Dead at thirty four million, number two, Freddy's Revenge at thirty million, number seven, Nightmare on Elm Street twenty five million, number five, Dream Child at twenty two million, and number nine, Nightmare or New Nightmare at eighteen million. Jeez, wow! I'll take any one of those. No kid. Yeah, take, I'll take half. So, I, I, are we going to the what we would change? Yeah, well, would, well, before we go, we all agreed that this is great, and this was a vital part of the franchise. But what is your favorite one out of the franchise? If you had to pick your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie out of the franchise, what do you think would be your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Easily number three. Same. Dream Warriors. Warriors. Three. I mean, it's got a killer, kick-ass theme song. That's right. That's I when I really got on board of, of Freddy. And so. it's got, yeah. I, it's to me, it's got two of the most memorable kills. It's got the TV pulling yeah. the girl's head into it, and then the uh, tongue with <laughs> The guy's oh, tongue. Are, that's know, not a kill, though. No, I mean it's I, a Close scene, to. a memory, yeah. a, a, a whatever. But yeah, Dream Warriors is def- or Dream Weavers is definitely. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I guess we could even go with what's the most iconic Nightmare on Elm Street kill. There's been so many amazing ones. I mean, and the, they all stand out. That's the good thing about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. You got creative. Yeah. Un- unlike the Friday the 13th franchise or, or the, the Halloween franchise, most all of the kills are memorable because there wasn't a lot of them. Like the kill counts really weren't super high in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like This one most, is Tina, Glenn, Marge, Rod. That's it. I mean, yeah. me- most memorable out of the whole franchise is like when I said the TV. For me, it would be the prime time because uh, that's what I think of. The hearing aid one. Oh, with Carlos, yeah. yeah. I think my two favorites would be Philip with the marionette where he walks them off the top of the yeah. boat. It would be that one, or it. It's my favorite. It's not a good one, but it's my favorite. I, I the, think you. I know what you're going to say. I think the power glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a memorable one. Freddy's dead. That was Just a, because there's there there's he's a, witty. He's charming. There's a part in it, and I always say it. And people look at me, but there's a part when he when he says, "I beat my high score," and he smiles and laughs. It reminds me of my grandpa. <laughs> He could save the world. He's so joyful and gleeful, and he's got that smile on his face, and it just warms my heart. Yeah. What were you thinking? I, I think that might have been the same one. I'm thinking 
because uh, it's it's the video game one. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna say comic book one, but it's the the comic video book game. one was good too, where he turns in the Super Freddy and yeah, oh, yeah, I think that is the one I'm thinking of. That then, that's I a guess. different one where he where it's in black and gray. Yes. Well, like yeah. pretty much all the other ones that are in black and gray. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking because you said it's it's not good, but it's it's memorable. It's memorable to me. There's some I love Rick's kill in the the karate dojo was amazing one. He wasn't even there. There was no Freddy. In that I know one. that's what and one that made it great. That's the thing that I, they were talking to the the actor that played that, and he's just like, you know, I finally get to get killed by Freddy, and it's like I don't really get killed by, by Freddy because right. he's not there. Rick getting killed by the bike, super cool. Greta. Getting killed by being overfed. So many good. So yeah, many there are. I mean, and as the things that they built got so much more elaborate as they went on. And that one where they had like the bodies of souls or whatever. And it was just like all these people. Uh, who the fuck thought of that? Right. That's ridiculous. In, in the whole entire franchise, I think Freddy killed three, maybe four people with his glove. Mm-hmm. His iconic weapon, he killed four people with it. If Freddy Krueger went up against Johnny Depp as Edward Scissorhands, who would win? All of us. <laughs> I I would have to go with Freddy. Huh. Because Edward Scissorhands, he wasn't really evil. He was also wasn't human. He did kill, what was his name? Vincent Price. No. Well, yeah, kind of-ish. Well, Vincent Price kind of had a heart attack and died but he killed Winona Ryder's boyfriend through the heart with you was Anthony Michael Hall yeah that scarred me as a kid that that's I was like what the fuck like he did it fucking did it no going on to like what I would change yeah what would you change about this movie honestly the only thing I would change is I would have made it a lot more gorier there was a lot of blood but it wasn't really shown where the blood came from like she goes in the bed and it comes out I think I would have utilized a little bit more gore factor to it yeah but they it, really did that with the remakes awesome awesome <laughs> awesome awesome but that's the only thing i would really change like i thought robert england was perfect for it i thought the cast was what they needed to be this movie was was scary when it needed to be scary <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for, you know saxton to put on his karate gi it's like yeah <laughs> Yeah. Enter the ah, dragon. There's a just a few continuity issues that seem like like the why would the watch work in the dream? Even when she was in the dream, like she was or or looking at her watch. That's a Timex, motherfucker. They yeah. never stop working. Uh, but she had long sleeves in the dream, and when she was looking at the watch, there was long sleeves. But it went back to like a short sleeve, and like a lot of that continuity stuff that. How? Because it's a dream. You dream what you want. With that, I will give a little leeway, but. Yeah, I don't know. I do like my more crazy Freddy. Like I said earlier, I think Robert England in this would be easily replaceable, probably because I'm just more massaged into the the more funnier yeah. psycho Freddy. 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 Freddy Bull, Freddy Bull. I like the movie. My daughters like the movie. <laughs> makes they actually good. request it. They're you know two and six or three and six. So yeah. Make, makes you a good father. <laughs> I don't I like to brag. I know Lonnie wouldn't change anything. I would. I would make mo- the movies more canon. Uh, other than one and three, the movies really four and five kind of. But other than one and three, the movies really weren't canon at all. They kind of stood alone. I would have tried to make it more of a cohesive story because they very much could have. That would be the only thing I would change. I would try to keep a staff together and know what they were making was going to be a hit. Was there enough nudity for you? You're looking at me? Yeah. No. No schlong or anything. Nope. No dicks. Yeah. No dicks. What? Two? If one? Two? Uh, Freddie two actually made the better. Side boob? No. Made a better yeah. choice of going with his final prototype with the blades instead of like the razors and the screws. There was a Nightmare on Elm Street porn parody out there where Freddie's glove is for uh, vibrators. I feel like there's also an Edward Scissorhand one. Quite erotic. Well, yeah, there's a porn parody of everything. It's not true. It's probably a porn parody of unemployed out there. <laughs> That's just hobo. <laughs> <laughs> Called uh, unemployed. Well, I almost hate to ask this, but Justin's got the next movie. So what are we in for, Justin? We will be, I got to get the year on it, but. 1990. We will be watching. Darkly Noon. 
Darkly Noon again. <laughs> no, we'll be watching a movie called Blood and Donuts. You'll be able to find it on YouTube. YouTubes. I'll send you guys the link. It is a <laughs> It is a lower budget. Oh, you don't so, say. Oh, it is. Yeah. But they used a a really a really good song in it. Yeah. That's why yeah. we're watching. That's it. why we're, we're watching. We're watching a movie for a fucking song. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a good movie. I liked it for having what it was like. It's about a vampire who is trying to you know he comes out of his you know time has passed. The world has kind of changed. Huh? You have a whole episode to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. It's about a vampire, but it's a movie you pick. So what kind of vampire is it? Because it's not a normal vampire. He sparkles. Does he know know kung fu? Yes, he does. He knows a little bit of. I watched the trailer to it. It it looks fun. Yeah, it's not exciting action, but I think like the more of like the love story or the feeling of loss, knowing that things are different, that you have to kind of progress or move forward or move on or something like that. (laughs) It starts. I think it's a really good. Antonio Banderas and Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. Does it really? No. Okay. Because yeah. you had a very serious look on your face. I was like, he's joking. No, he's not. It's pretty much no names. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right. I feel like it'll be a fast one. Yeah. No. One page. Yeah. One page, no. two font. I am in the need of a rewatch with that, but I feel like I might not... I think a lot of it's going to be nostalgic reasons, but yeah, we'll see what's up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was my favorite movie of all time, Nightmare on Elm Street. I hope you enjoyed. Come back n- next time for Blood and Donuts, but also check out the next t- the next week for our proper Boundless Podcast, where we have all kinds of things planned. We have uh, one topic we know about, which is talking about toys we always wanted. Oh yeah, and that's going to get deep because there's a whole bunch of toys that. That I know I wanted a whole ch- child friendly, <laughs> a whole bunch of child friendly <laughs> toys, and I'm sure we're gonna have a blast. First one of 2022, 2020, <laughs> part two. <laughs> <laughs> but for me and Morose Jeremy and build a character Justin, we are the Bodless Pow Trap. Have a good evening. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This concludes our broadcast day. 